my choir and Billy Day and family. Are you all doing a Christmas concert this year? No? Yes? The Day family? May have, to, may have to wait till next Christmas for the Day family to do their Christmas cantata. We'll see how it goes. Church, good morning. Man, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's always so good. For those that are watching at home this morning, uh, good morning to you. For our deer hunters that are in the trees, uh, don't get blown out. Uh, Daryl, I know you're not in the tree. Uh, you're in the luxury condo suite, brother. Uh, and so, good luck to all of our deer hunters that are out there chasing uh, some meat to put in their refrigerators, and uh, be careful. Uh, God bless you, and uh, hopefully everybody's getting to watch some at home uh, this morning. And I also want to say real quickly, church, be praying for um, Ruby Ingram's family. Uh, her funeral was, was Friday. Most of you all that have been here any time knew Miss Ruby, and uh, I know that our church family loved her very, very much. And uh, she loved this church family very, very much. And so, Janice, if you're watching this morning, we're praying for you. And uh, God bless you all as well. Church, I pray that you have a Bible with you this morning. Amen? Does everybody have their Bible? If not, there is a Bible in front of you. Ernie's got his Bible. Donna's got her Bible. Amen. So we're doing good. I want you to get that Bible out. I want you to open it up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at two verses today, and that's it. Somebody say, well, Lord, Brother Donnie's going to be short today. Don't count on it. Don't count on it. But we do. We want you to open up. Hopefully you've got your sermon outline there as well and your, and your bulletin. Get that out. Have a pencil or pen ready as we get ready to work through God's Word this morning. And hopefully, uh, Wednesday night, if you were here, my wife came running into the sanctuary and pointing at me. She said, you. And I was like, me? She said, yeah, you. Uh, come here. And so I'm like, oh, no, what's Caden's done, done, or Madden's done something or something. She said, Caden is at home, and the toilet has blown up. <laughs> and I didn't know if Caden was having a moment or... So you can do that, you preacher's kid, you didn't know that. And, and so the, the, the toilet, we had a huge leak in, in our bathroom, and thank God that Caden was home, because it kind of flooded out part of our home. Uh, but this morning, Caden's with us, so Lord, if you're going to flood it, do it good, amen. Um, but anyway, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, you can see the title of the sermon this morning, Building Each Other Up, and the when, what are the last three words? Embrace each other other. Christian author J. Allen Peterson has traveled the world extensively teaching seminars on marriage and the family. He tells about a story about when he boarded a, a Boeing 747 in Brazil one evening coming home back to the United States. And he was just settling down to rest when the captain came on and announced that they had a serious Emergency. I'm sure that's the last thing that you want to hear when you're on an airplane. Amen. And so three of the four engines had shut down because of fuel contamination, and the fourth engine was also struggling. So they were trying to turn back, and they were trying to land you know, at the airport. The flight attendant sprang into action, and they told everyone what to do and exactly how to do it. Alan said he had flown millions of miles. But this was the first time something like this had happened. They were instructed to close the shades on the windows and assume a crash, crash position bent over holding their legs. He said that no one could tell how close they were to the ground, and the flight attendants yelled, prepare 
for impact. Alan said everyone was praying. Most of them were Portuguese. And he found himself praying as well. He, he prayed this prayer. He said, God, thank you for allowing me to know you and to serve you. But, oh God, my wife and my sons, please take care of them, Lord. And since he was writing about this scary event, obviously they landed safely. And as he reflected on this near-death experience, he realized he wasn't even thinking about the broken photocopier or he wasn't thinking about the car that needed the oil to be changed. He was thinking only of one thing, relationships. Relationships. Why? Because once you boil it down, relationships are the most important things that we have in this what? that we have in this life. So I want to ask you this morning before we ever jump in, I'm going to ask you this question personally. You ready? How much value do you place on relationships? How much value do you place on relationships? And this month of November, you know, we're often challenged to ask ourselves what we're thankful for, Right? In this month of November, we're often challenged to look inside ourselves to see if we value things more than we value people. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about embracing one another. We're going to talk about embracing God's will. And we're going to talk about embracing the truth. So yes, not your traditional uh, way of thanksgiving, but I think once we get into it and we dive into it, I think this is exactly what we need to be reminded about in 2020. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen to verses 14 and 15. Austin actually said them earlier because the youth is doing the same thing, or the kids are doing the same things that we're doing this morning. Listen to the Word of God. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be what? Kind to each other and to everyone else. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that you made. Lord, we thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the health that you have blessed us with this morning, God, to get us up out of bed. Father, we pray for all those right now that are, that are sick. Father, we know that uh, there's, there's many people that are dealing with this virus. And dear God, our heart goes out to them. So be with them, those that are home, that are sick, those that are quarantining. Father, those that are just dealing with other sicknesses as well. Father, we pray you put your hand of blessing upon their lives. Father, I pray right now as we go through this sermon. Lord, there's, there's been a lot of things happen this year, Lord, that's, that's really pulled us away. Father, there's been a lot of negatives. There's been a lot of things that's caused depression and anxiety. And Lord, I pray today that, that good news is heard. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit is already working among us and in this. And, and Father, I pray today that we see you God, open up our hearts, open up our minds. God, put off whatever we're thinking about that we're going to do after church or tonight or tomorrow. And Father, let us focus right now, dear Lord, on you and you alone. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said...
Amen. So here in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is coming to the end of this letter that he had written to the church of Thessalonica, and he concludes this letter with a section of encouragement and the building up of each other in Jesus Christ. And within these two verses, we're going to look at five points that the Apostle gave the Christians of Thessalonica, and we can also apply these five guidelines as we value the relationships that Jesus Christ has blessed us with. When we sang that song just a few minutes ago, count your many what? Blessings, name them one by one. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded, amen? Sometimes we, we've got to try to put all the negatives and all the things that have went wrong, all the things that have went bad, all the negative things that's going on in this life. Because listen to me, church, it's very easy to let the negative overtake the what? The positive. And right now, in the year of 2020, man, we have been engulfed with negativity. We've seen it, we've heard it, we've experienced it, and one thing that we were talking about in Sunday school class this morning, this nation needs a healing from Jesus Christ. And church, listen to me, it starts though with us. It starts with us. People have to see something different in who? In us. So I pray that you have your Bible with you. I pray that you got your outline with you, because we're going to start with this this morning. Number one, are you all ready back there? Encourage others to do what? To stay on the right what? Golly, we have to do this, church. We have got to encourage others to stay on the right track. Paul said, warn those who are idle. Now, if you're using the King James, I know a lot of our folks use the King James Version. The Bible uses this word, unruly. Basically, this means that someone has fell out of rank. And it's the same Greek word that was used for a Roman soldier who went AWOL. So what are we talking about? We're talking about a brother or a sister that's not living their life to please who? To please God. We're talking about someone whose behavior is not consistent with their Christian teachings, their values, and their principles. So here is what Paul was telling the Christians at Thessalonica, and I believe Paul's telling us the same thing. Are you ready? When you see your brother and your sister in Christ going in the wrong direction, encourage them to evaluate their what? Their thoughts and their what? And their actions. Encourage them to do this. Now, some, may be, some, some of you all may be thinking, well, Brother Donnie, this sounds a little bit judgmental. Nowhere in this scripture will you find judgment being cast on anyone. If you do, please, please show me when, when sermon is over today. Nowhere in this text do you find judgment being cast on anyone. You know, when you love someone, or when you care for someone, and you see that individual is moving in an unhealthy direction, we've been given the responsibility to lovingly warn them of their idleness. It's our responsibility to do that. 
Now, I don't know how you all, if, if some of you guys got some of these new cars, my wife's got an SUV that it has this button that, it, it, you know, it keeps you in line, basically, when you're driving down the road. So if you start drifting and the button is pressed, uh, you know, if it's raining or maybe it's dark and you start going out of your lane, well, the vehicle brings you what? It brings you back over into your lane. Well, it took about a week and I turned that sucker off. Because there's nothing more weird than when you start drifting and the, and, and the car starts coming back and you know you had no what? You had no control over the wheel. But think about this. Isn't that the way that we are, though? I want you to think about that. This is kind of like we are. We normally don't like others to warn us of our idleness or if our lives are heading in a direction that isn't consistent with who we say we are. That's how many of us are. And I know many people may say, well, Brother Donnie, this isn't a way to embrace or encourage people, but I would beg to, I would beg to differ. I wonder how many people would be honest enough to say this morning, I wish someone would have warned me. I wonder if anyone would be honest enough in our congregation or any, maybe someone that's, that's watching this this morning. And, and we're living with this and we're thinking, I wish, Pastor, that someone would have loved me enough to have warned me. Or I wish someone would have loved me enough to tell me that I was hurting myself and that I was hurting my family. Because I guarantee you there's someone here that would be willing to, tell, to, to share that. See, we don't know why these Christians in Thessalonica had become idle. We don't know. Maybe in their mind, Christ was coming soon, and so they just wouldn't work. Maybe they had just become lazy physically. Maybe they had become lazy spiritually. I'm not sure. But let me also remind you of this. Are you ready? And I think it takes a while to finally get this in life. When you do warn someone, do it out of love. Because if you do it out of anger... It's not going to be very well what? It's not going to be very well received. And listen to me, I know it's difficult. I think one of the most difficult things of, as a Christian is to see a brother or sister that has fallen out of line of God's will, and you see it, you know it, and you may have experienced exactly what they're going through, and you want to go tell that gentleman, you want to go tell that woman, listen, the road that you are traveling will lead you to nowhere. But we're like, God, should I not say anything? Lord, should I just mind my own what? But then they keep drifting. And then they keep drifting. And then sin takes over and leads to even more what? And leads to even more. And then secondly, we're reminded to encourage the what? The faint-hearted. Encourage the faint-hearted. It seems Paul's talking about someone who has become discouraged as he says to encourage the timid. Now maybe it was various trials. Maybe it was persecutions that the Christians were facing. Maybe it was the death of a Christian. Maybe it was falling back into a sinful lifestyle. But let's be honest. These types of situations can cause a Christian to become timid. These types of situations can cause Christians to become faint-hearted. 2020 has been a difficult year. We all know this. 
And throughout this year, through this pandemic, we have seen people struggle. We have seen people, uh, Christians struggle. We have seen one blow after another. But church, listen to me this morning. We need to be reminded that Jesus is still the King of kings. That Jesus is still on the throne, that he's a good God, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of grace, he's a God of love, and he's a God of joy that is still currently preparing a place for who? Preparing a place for you. So let me ask you, you ready? Have you encouraged anyone lately? Have you? Have you encouraged anyone as of late? Have you encouraged anyone's spiritual condition lately. These are interesting conversations that the preacher gets to have with the church because people will say, well, Brother Donnie, I I don't really feel like I need to encourage someone spiritually because I'm really not where I need to be, what? Spiritually. Well, then this is for you. This is for you. How are you going to encourage someone spiritually if you're telling yourself, I'm not where I need to be, what? Spiritually. Then why? Why are you putting that off? Why have you got to the point in your walk with Jesus that you say, Look, Lord, I know I'm saved, I know you're there, but I'm going to live in the comfort of my own sin, and this is what I'm going to do, and, and, and if you want to come along for the ride, you're more than what? You're more than welcome. And so you find yourself, Well, I can't encourage the faint-hearted because I'm the one that needs to be what? I'm the one that needs to be encouraged. I'm the one that needs to be a better example. I'm the one that needs to be showing others that Jesus Christ loves them, that Jesus Christ is a God of mercy and grace and of joy. This is who we're supposed to be. And then thirdly, encourage those lacking. Encourage those lacking in what? In strength. The, the NIV and the King James, it uses the word weak. And this word in an individual can mean they were either physically weak or they were what? Or they are spiritually weak. Now, according to Paul, we as Christians should be helping each other in our times of weakness. Is the Bible clear about this? Absolutely the Bible is clear about this. James 2 says this, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says to you, or you say to them, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? And then 1 John three seventeen, the Bible says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? That hits home, doesn't it? That kind of just sinks right in, doesn't it, church? And we're not just talking about one's physical need, we're also talking about one's what? About one's spiritual needs. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness we're to encourage one another daily for those that are lacking in strength whether if that's a christian that's lacking or whether if that's a non-believer that's lacking and church if you don't think people are lacking today you've turned your eyes off in my 12 and a half years of ministry this has been one of the most challenging years that i have ever went through in my life 
And people will say, well, Brother Donnie, why has it been so challenging? Because the church has become disconnected. The church has become something of where we have struggling to get in and get what? And get out. So we're trying to show people the love of Jesus Christ, but really, truly, we don't really want you to get in our what? And some of that's for good reason. We know that we're going through a pandemic. We know that there's a virus. We know that there's, there's things out there that, that, that are keeping people sick. And listen, if you don't think that Satan is not smiling from ear to ear right now, you're very mistaken. This is something that he's enjoying. This is like a Chinese buffet after church on Sunday. Amen? For him, this is what he's been looking for. This is what his, he salivates over this very thing because he knows if he can destroy the church, if he can destroy the family, if he can destroy the movement of Jesus Christ in a country, then he knows more and more people will lack a relationship with Jesus and those people will spend eternity separated from who? From God. And he loves it. He's eating it up. I see families that are struggling, struggling spiritually. I see individuals that are struggling spiritually. And it's every week. We're living through a struggling time. And it's our job to help our brothers and our sisters in Christ in their times of need. Whether if that need is physical or if that need is spiritual. So I want to ask you this. Are you ready? Who's the last person that you helped? We don't have a problem helping ourselves, do we? But who's the last person that you helped? When is the last time that you came and you looked at me, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, someone that you look up to in the church, and asked them, is there anyone in the church that could use a helping what? Hand. Because we're so consumed with who? We're so consumed with us. We're so consumed with us that we never even think, maybe there's somebody in the church that's hurting physically, spiritually, and that we can be an encouragement to that individual or that family. And then fourthly, we're reminded to do this. Encourage others to persevere with great what? Oh, does our country need this, church? Amen? This nation needs this. We need this. The, I'm telling you, we, we all are in this boat together. Paul says, be patient with what? Every one. And the word patient here in the Greek, it means this, to be long-tempered, which means we are to have self-restraint, or this means that we need to emphasize that we do not hastily retaliate. Tuesday, I was sitting in line at Burger King. Now, you would never think it would take 30 minutes to get in line at Burger King, but it did. So I'm sitting in line Tuesday at the Burger King drive through and I'm watching the vehicles around me. Do you all ever do that? <laughs> I, I just ordered, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the cars around me. And so all of a sudden, after I'd given my order, there was this SUV in front of me, and this lady, she rose down her window. And all I hear is this, I'm not sure if you can see or not, but I ordered before you. 
a gentleman had cut in line in front of her. And she was hateful about it. The gentleman did not re-engage in the conversation. But it was in a very hasty tone, to say the least. Now, was the person right? Did the individual jump in front of her? Absolutely. But let me ask you this. How does that make one look? How does that make us look when we do that as Christians? It makes us look what? It makes us look rude. It makes us look crude. It definitely doesn't make us look what? Like we have great patience. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in McDonald's because my mother-in-law works in McDonald's. And I've been in McDonald's and somebody come in and throw a bag at them or I can't believe you got this wrong or you can't believe you got this right. Or, and I've been there and I thought, Lord, you better give me patience because it's about to go south. And I sat there one time and I look at this gentleman and I just told him eye to eye. I said, brother, I said, if your order being wrong at McDonald's today is the worst thing that happens to you today, God bless you. God bless you. Because most of the time you'll get more back if you're just nice. Teresa, my quarter pounder was wrong. Here's you another one. <laughs> my double stack or whatever you call it, it was wrong. Here's you another one. Praise the God. I've just got two now. Amen. But that's what I'm talking about. So, you know, some may be wondering, well, what does patience even look like? Stay with me, church. I was reminded this week that patience, it's the trait that displays tolerance. We've got to have tolerance, compassion, understanding, and acceptance towards those who are slower than you in developing maturity, emotional freedom, and coping abilities. And patience is the ability to remain calm in the midst of turmoil. Because you know God is in what? God's in control. Think about this. How many people do you know right now that needs encouraging when it comes to patience? I mean, let's be honest. All of us in the last several months have been on what? We have been right on the what? The edge. We've been on the edge with the schools. We've been on edge with government. We've been on edge with health care. We've even been on edge with who? With each other. And we've got to pray for patience. I've heard people say, you know, about the schools, well, I wish they'd listen. Do you, do you really think the teachers don't want our kids in school? Do y'all really think that? They want them there. Do we, do, you know, I, and, I, and I talk about this stuff because it's like we're becoming a people that if we don't get our way automatically, well, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. And I'm like, what are you going to show them? You're going to show them that you're rude, that you're crude, that you're mean, that you're ugly, and that you don't have much what? And that you don't have much patience. They've got to see it in us. Do I want my kid in school? Absolutely. I'm telling you right now, my kids need to be in school. They need to be with their classmates. They need to be with their teachers. They need to be with the administration. They need that. But right now, I think we all understand that they... It's a struggle, amen? And they need our patience. And let me tell you what they need more than anything. Are you ready? They need our prayers. They need our prayers. 
So maybe this is you. Maybe you need some patience. And then fifthly, we're reminded of this. Encourage what? Kindness, not revenge. How many of you all remember the movement happened a year or two years ago? The, the sign movement that was happening in people's yards? There was two words that they used. Does anybody remember what they were? Be what? Can, can you all believe that we've become a nation that we need to be reminded of that? Well, Ernie, when you leave out this morning, I hope you read the sign in the front yard. It says you need to be what? You be kind, Ernie, right? You be kind. How about anybody else this morning? Ronnie, when you leave out this morning, you need to be what? Be kind. Billy, when you leave out this morning, I'm going to put a sign in the front yard so you can remember to be what? Be kind. Can you all believe we've become a nation that needs to be reminded to be what? It ought to come natural. And Paul says, he says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for what? For wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Now the King James uses the word render evil for, for evil. So as you read these words, there's a thought that comes to mind. Hurt can come from inside the church, and hurt can come from what? Outside the church. And maybe you're thinking there's no way that one Christian could ever hurt another. But I am reminded that people, whether they are Christians or not, make mistakes. And many times we make those mistakes when our relationship with Jesus has been put on the back burner and the world is persuading our behavior instead of our faith in Jesus dictating our behavior. You know, I'm a firm believer that when we do someone wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Amen? Does anyone else still believe in that? Does anyone else still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Amen? I believe that wholeheartedly. When I've done somebody wrong, I've, I feel the conviction. And I know that the Holy Spirit is there. He's saying, Donnie, you need to apologize, or you need to make this right, or you need to, to do something different than what you're doing, because what you're doing isn't working. And for many people, the desire to get even, it's a part of our human psyche. It's kind of like the story of, of a mom who heard her seven-year-old son screaming. She runs into the next room to see what's wrong and discovers that her two-year-old daughter was pulling the hair of her brother. And so the mother gets the hand of the baby unclenched and says, you're going to have to overlook this. Your sister doesn't know what it feels like to have her hair pulled. Mom goes back into the kitchen. All of a sudden, she hears the daughter screaming. She runs back into the room, and she says, What in the world has happened? And the little boy looks at her and says, She knows now what it feels like. <laughs> Tiffany, does that sound like something that happened at your home? You know, I've always heard two wrongs don't make a what? Two wrongs don't make a right. And I'm a firm believer in that church. When Christians return evil for evil, wrong for wrong, then we become a wrongdoer as well. And in our society today, revenge and vengeance are common, but even when we feel justified, is that the behavior that Jesus wants us to portray? See, I believe according to the Scripture that Christ wants people to see and experience something different in our lives when we've been wronged. 
And I know this is difficult, and I know this goes against what the world teaches, but the Bible speaks of this. In the Scripture it says, But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. You know, when we encourage kindness, church, and, 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 and not revenge, there's a couple of qualities that, that stick out, and this is on your, your outline as well. There's three characteristics that really stick out when we encourage kindness and not revenge. And here they are. The first one is we embrace what? We embrace forgiveness. We embrace forgiveness. Listen, we know people are going to wrong us. Amen? We know people are going to make mistakes. How many of you Christians have ever made mistakes? None, Lord. Not a single one of us. Amen? We don't make mistakes, amen? We're the frozen chosen sometimes, aren't we? We don't make, we, we don't make mistakes, Lord. We cleanse. We're righteous. We're holy, right? We don't make mistakes, but if we're honest with ourselves, we know we what? We, we do. So we got to embrace forgiveness when, when people do something against us. What else we got to do? We got to embrace mercy, amen? Because we know that God has shown us what? God has shown us mercy. And let me, let me tell you, that mercy doesn't run out, Amen? That mercy does not run out. How many of you all needed a little bit of mercy this week? I know I did. This is what we all need, and God never runs out. It's like, Lord, it's like, Donnie, I got a whole lot of it just for you, brother. We need to embrace that. And then what else? We need to embrace spiritual maturation. And somebody say, well, Brother Donnie, what are you talking about? Listen, when somebody does us wrong, we know that God is still the ultimate what? judge God is still the ultimate judge but many times we want to take everything into our own what into our own hands the year of 2020 has listen church this year has exhibited moments of fear there has been anger there has been confusion there's been hurt there's been loss of expectations and anticipation there's been separation there's been depression there's been anxiety and the list goes on and on and on but let me ask us this question has the expectations of Christ for us changed no see this holiday season people are going to remember your conversations now, some of us may meet. Maybe some of us decide to stay at home. I don't know what you're going to do. But listen to me. Are you ready? If we're not careful, this holiday season conversations could easily turn to ugliness and rudeness. But maybe we can give others a different view. Maybe we can encourage people to stay on the right track and keep the faith. Maybe we can encourage the faint-hearted and the weak. And maybe we can encourage kindness instead of vengefulness. Maybe this morning you need to come and pray about your own heart. Maybe this morning you need to come and pray about your attitude. Maybe this morning we need to come and tell God just how thankful we are for the relationships that He has blessed us with. Or maybe you're the one hurting. Maybe it's you that needs the encouragement. Maybe you're the one that needs your heart lifted up. Maybe your spiritual walk is, is, is suffering and you know you need strength from God. Maybe your patience has worn what? Has worn thin. And you need to come and you need to pray, God, fill me back up. See, today would be an awesome day to embrace each other. And today would be an awesome day to embrace the strength of the Lord.
So, so church this morning, as Brother Billy comes and he leads us in our invitation, church, this would be a great day to come and renew your relationship with Christ. This would be a great day to come and encourage us. Say, God, I, I've not been much of an encourager myself. Lord, help me, heal me, encourage me. Maybe you just want to come today and pray for your church family, for your nation, for your county, for the kids and children and youth that live among us. Today would be a great day to become encouraged, to encourage someone else, or to just come seeking strength from the Creator. So whatever your need is this morning, will you stand? Will you come?